in the Bible reading this morning. The thought of this passage will be brought to our mind as we go through our shorter study for this morning. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Good stewards, good servants. What is stewardship? We don't use the word a whole lot today. But what is a steward? What is stewardship? When that word is said, stewardship, we think of money, maybe. We think of servants, uh, st- stewards. Where do we have a business today that uses the word stewards? Is it in the airlines? Do they use... No, they're flight, a- flight attendants. So I don't know that the word is used of any particular person today, but... It is something that probably we've lost in time as things change. So, stewards, I don't know, I've not, not been there in the Navy. <laughs> but it often props, uh, pops up in our mind that money, money in the average person's mind or somebody's serving. But these are only a fraction of what stewardship is. Stewardship has to do with our whole life. The word stewardship is the word from which we get our word economy. The economy. So we think of Mr. Frydenberg, isn't it? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Um, Jew, actually, a Jewish person. Yeah, a treasurer. But... It has to do with the whole life as far as a Christian is concerned, just not the economy. (laughs) It means the management of a household. In the Old Testament, there are many illustrations of stewards and stewardship. Abraham had a steward, Genesis 15.2. Joseph was a steward to Pharaoh. He became a steward, a servant of Pharaoh. He became a servant also of Potiphar. <clears throat> Joseph in turn had stewards in Genesis 43:19. In the New Testament, stewardship is found. The Ethiopian eunuch had stewards. It says that in Acts 8:27. Jesus gave three parables in which he dealt with stewardship, and one is the one we read this morning from Matthew 25:14 to 30. The other is in Luke 16, 1 to 13. It's a parable of the unjust steward that hadn't been, hadn't been handling his boss's finances too well. And he was in trouble. <laughs> and he, he concocted a, a way of getting out of trouble. And uh, he was commended for that. And the other one is in Luke 19, verses 11 to 27. The story of the pounds, which is stewardship in a financial manner. Stewardship carries with it a privilege but also a responsibility. In one sense, all men are stewards of God because we're created in his image. He's by creation. And as it says in Galatians, we all one day will give an account for the way we spent our life, our stewardship of our life, the economy of our life. 
When we start to think about this, it gets pretty serious. <laughs> Christians are his in a double way, are we not? He created us in his image as all men and gave us life, but then he gave us new life at the expense of his only begotten son who died in our stead and place. We just celebrated the Lord's table remembering his death for us, his burial and his resurrection, the gospel. And so he's double bought us as he created us and he recreated us into his image and he's still doing that in each of our lives because we're still living. <laughs> in, in the Bible dictionary, the word, and you can see how it connects with economy, is oikonomai. Economy, almost. O-I instead of E at the front. And it primarily signifies the management of a household or household affairs. Thus the management or administration of the property of others. The property of others. We are not our own property. God owns us. And whether the unsaved people like it or not, that's the fact. God owns everything that is. He created it all. Uh, <clears throat> in the epistles of Paul, he applies this stewardship to the responsibility entrusted to him in preaching the gospel. And that's given in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. Let's read that one. Something that was committed to him. And he felt that burden of responsibility that the economy that he must manage properly am i not an apostle am i not free have i not seen jesus christ our lord are not ye my work in the lord and he goes on and testifies to the things that were his responsibility and you go down to verse 17 for this if i do this thing willingly i have a reward but if against my will a dispensation, an economy, <laughs> that's the word that's there given, the stewardship, that word dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I'm in trouble if I don't do what God has made me to do. That's what he's saying. I have a great responsibility. Aren't you glad that Paul took on his responsibility, his economy, his stewardship, his dispensation that he was given properly? And that he spread the word through, as it were, the known world. And he spread the word through Europe, present-day Europe. If that hadn't happened, Christianity would not have spread around as it has. But he did what he was responsible to do. It was given a dispensation, a period of time, a, an economy, a stewardship. It's all connected and tied. Secondly, Paul used in the epistles... This word stewardship to the stewardship committed to him to fulfill the word of God. Let's go to Ephesians. There's another one in Colossians 1.25, but Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2. Ephesians 3 and verse 2 and see that this was committed. He took it very seriously for it reads there in Ephesians 3.2. If ye have heard of the dispensation, the economy to take care of the household affairs of the grace of God which is given me toward you. He was a particular, an apostle assigned to the Gentiles and he took that seriously. Though he did minister to, to Jews and he went to the Jews first when he went to a town. He went to the synagogue. He was a Jew. 
He knew where the Jews would be. And after a week or so, they rejected him usually, kicked him out. And then he went, I'll go to the Gentiles. And they were glad to hear him because it was given this, this responsibility, this managing the household affairs of God as far as the church is concerned was committed to Paul particularly. And it says it very clearly here. How that in verse 3, by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And what was the mystery? It was about the church. As I wrote before in few words, by which when ye read me, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages wasn't made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. He's talking about the church here. The partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. See, the one that resisted it the most, Paul was the leader of the rebellion against the church, is the one that God turned around and put in charge of the church, as it were, and gave him the dispensation of the grace of God, gave him the responsibility to look after the affairs of getting the gospel out and starting churches in many places, which he did. Now, you say, well, that's, that's all gone. That's in the past. <laughs> but there is responsibilities now. Because the noun of this word, oikonomos, not oikono, oikonomi, <laughs> is primarily, it primarily denotes the management of the household or estate, a steward. And this speaks to us as Christians. We are all in different ways stewards of our household our being what we do with our life our talents and this is where these parables came come in where these words are used let's pray for a moment that was the introduction and i think our time's gone (laughs) let's pray before we start the sermon quickly thank you lord for your word thank you that it so explains it explicitly for us it spells it out and we will not be able to say on judgment day you didn't tell me because your word tells us three times in parables that we are responsible for the affairs of our life we cannot blame others if things don't go the way they should and your will isn't done in our life i pray that you'd minister the few words said today for your glory in jesus name amen the requirements of a good steward there in your outline the requirements he must be conscious of his position romans 14:8 says whether we live we live unto the lord or whether we die we die unto the lord whether we live or die we are the lord's that's it <laughs> all summed up we are gods and we are responsible to him being gods we are the property of our master as in matthew 24 and verse 14 that we read earlier For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling into a far country who called his his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And he went, and it says in the the parable we read this morning, for a long time into a far country. (laughs) He's gone back to heaven. He's seated on the right hand of God for a long time. He's been 2,000 years. But he's delivered unto everyone in this age, in this dispensation, in this economy, in this uh, age of grace, responsibilities and every generation has to bear them you know my concern is that 
as the older ones and the, the, the chap yesterday, Mr Gibb, was asking, he pointed to the three pastors, how old are you, how old are you, how old are you? 60, 60, 60, oh, well, this is not sounding good. <laughs> because what do you mean, what does it mean when you're 60? You're close, <laughs> close to the end, you know, you can drop off the perch or, or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's what happens in life. <laughs> it's appointed under man wants to die. But there needs to be people that are fulfilling the, filling the job. And that's a concern as we look around. Willing, willing to give everything, give everything up, give up the opportunities you could have had in life to minister to other people, as Paul did. Hey, Paul could have been a very popular person amongst the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. He could have been top dog. He could have been leader, couldn't he? But he chose to suffer instead for the purpose of Christ. The great things that he should suffer, Jesus told him about that. But he was the property of the master. We all are. Don't just say it's the pastor. We are all the property of the master. We are not our own. We are brought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Those verses relate to this. Therefore, we are to glorify God in our body because we are not our own. Every Christian, not just the preachers. We are Christ by creation and we are Christ, as I said earlier, by the purchase of his precious blood. As it says in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, For as much as ye know ye were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. At great price he has purchased us and given us the opportunity. And when he, get, when he saves us, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and he saves our soul, he gives us, according to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12, he gives us talents. He gives us gifts and abilities. And he requires that we use them. What are you doing with them? I know, I know people that are far more talented than me who could be great preachers, but they're not. And they were teenagers with me. And they've, they have spent their life on themselves. And at the end of it, you know what? They're not satisfied. They get everything together and get all the goods and whatever they have in life. And they're still not content because they missed the boat. They missed the boat. And, and, and at the end they complain and at the end they try to edge, they, they, they actually challenge the preacher for his job, but hey, too late, mate. You should have got on board with your gifts and abilities when you were young and, and spent your whole life ministering for the Lord. He must be conscious. We must be conscious as a, of this position as a steward. We must be compliant to the master. In just over in Matthew a little bit earlier, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Matthew 6, 24, it says, No man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve what? And <laughs> a lot of times comes back to this. God and mammon, money. <laughs> Which God have you got? You're trying to keep your foot in both camps. And we have to be very vigilant not to. And so many want to do that. How much of it can you take? 
Yeah, you clutch all that money. The biggest is a $100 note, isn't it, in our country? I've never seen a bigger one. How many can you fit in your fist when you die? It'll still be in your fist and you'll be gone. Your soul and spirit's taken flight to, to glory and you've still got a fistful of dollars down here. What a waste. What a waste. And then whose shall these things be? Didn't Jesus say that? Then who will spend it? Ah, not the way you want it. They'll spend it the way they want to. I, rem I remember when... I, I, I have seen a lot of a lot of cash in one place at one time. I remember someone that got paid cash for a job and they spread it all out on the floor, $100 notes, and they covered the whole, it was a big lounge room and the kitchen, and they had, see, <laughs> all this money, but <laughs> what can you do with it? <laughs> all that money, but when that briefcase come here and I know how much, I know how much money fits tightly in a biscuit tin. <laughs> And it was all in there, in, and, 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 and the men that saw it go, <gasps> when, when I opened it, we didn't know what was in there, and they all took a gasp. It was just out there in the front porch of the, of the church, and they took a gasp, and they, where'd they come from? Another, another person who found out about it said, they must be mad to give all that money. <laughs> no, <laughs> they've let go before, while they're still living to give to the Lord's work. They knew they couldn't fist it to heaven. Oh, we're not getting far here. <laughs> but it, it's about, you know, the Lord has said it's money or it's the Lord, it's himself. Which one? <clears throat> and I, I have to be careful because it will seem like boasting, but I know from where others in my position, relatives, who have stayed with the business where they are financially. That's a nice position. But I know where we are in comparison. It costs to be a steward. Where did Paul end up? When he could have been in popularity, in position and in power, where did he end up? In prison. <laughs> Imprisoned. Executed. And, you'll, and people, a rich would say, what a waste of life. No. No, for eternity will show the results of a committed person in the likes of his life. So we must be conscious of our position. We must be compliant to the master. You can't serve two, God and money. <clears throat> you must be consistent, must be consistent. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man must be found faithful. He must prove himself worthy of trust. Not like Onesimus who run away. Who run away from his boss and he got saved and he came back and Paul recommended him to receive him as a child of God again. Paul said to Philemon his friend. But we must pr prove ourselves. Lay hands suddenly on no man. And churches are looking to have people fill the position but lay hands suddenly on no man. They must be consistently faithful and not be not be running away when the little things happen, even big things happen in their life. The Bible does not say 
that a good steward managing the household affairs of God must be brilliant. You know, when you're around people, you can, you can pick up intelligence, a gift of God, and those that haven't got as much as others have, you know. <laughs> I like what the, the headmaster of the Furniture Gully Technical School said. He's tried his best, let him go into a trade. <laughs> My dad had expectations of me being a civil engineer, but uh, that's not what happened. <laughs> Become a pastor. And he's tried his best. Okay, give, it, give him something. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. With, but God had other ideas, didn't he? And I pray that there are a lot of souls in heaven as a result of committing to doing the ministry. It just, that's, that's what happens, isn't it? As you sow the seed, people get saved, people grow, Christian families come together, are formed, and their children should be Christians, not because they're born in a Christian family, become Christians hearing the word of God. And so the result goes on and follows on. One, there was a comment from a visiting person here at the church. She's a thinking person she was, and she said, I think what brings this church here together is because you've stayed here so long, it's consistency, it's consistency, it's, just, it's families, and families need consistency. Children need that consistency in their life. And we need to be faithful to that which God calls us to do. Don't run away like one Nesimus, we might say, Nesimus. Um, <clears throat> not brilliant. He doesn't have to be intelligent. He doesn't have to even be educated. For the Bible says of those people in the early church, I know they were apostles, unlearned and ignorant men. That's what the, they were declared to be by the religious leaders, the intelligentsia, of the day and who chose them people to be the leaders of the early church Jesus himself Jesus Christ himself turn to 1st Corinthians and this encourages me and should encourage anyone that wants to serve the Lord in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 <clears throat> we read there for ye see your calling brethren now that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And that certainly was so in the early church. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, that is by men, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's all of the Lord in the concluding statement there. And so we must be faithful and <clears throat> we don't have to be well-bred. How would you like to be born into the royal family? Well, how does Harry like being born into the royal family? <laughs> he's kicking against it, isn't he? <laughs> well, his wife is, anyway. <laughs> and they're out of here. I mean, they're out of there. <laughs> like Britain's out of, out of it, isn't Aren't they? <laughs> out of Europe. And um, do you see the, see the leader of the EU, the lady there? with some swear words said, get out of here with your flag. Right, <laughs> we will go. <laughs> we will go. And um, that's a whole other story, but 
And Britain was part of the Roman Imperial Empire, but not part of the Holy Roman Empire. And there's a few other, there's a few other people have to get out of there yet. <laughs> and I think some are wishing. Let's go too. That's a, beside the point. But just interesting to see. I mean, Uncle Wallace said when they went into the EU 40-something, five years ago, he said they'll come out. He wasn't a prophet. He just said biblically they've got to get out because they're not part of that. And in fact, Rome governed over Israel too, but they're not part of the EU. You see, it's not the Imperial Roman Empire. It's the Holy Roman Empire that's referred to in the book of Daniel and the revived Roman Empire. But anyway... That's not to do with stewardship. <laughs> Let's be sure that we are consistent and faithful in that which God calls us to do. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says, Be faithful to death, and I will give you a crown of life. We could go to the illustration of Joseph. Though everything seemed to be going wrong, in everywhere he was given stewardship. He came down from being sold into Potiphar's house. What did he do? He just committed himself to what God wanted in his life. What did God do? Blessed him. And Potiphar gave everything in his charge and then falsely accused he was kicked out. What happened when he went to prison? He was faithful. You see, faithful where God puts you, then comes the exaltation. But it might be years. And then... He, was, he rose to the top in the prison even and gave the interpretation. But then God gave him the position that he was training him for all the way through as a faithful steward, as a faithful servant of the Lord. <clears throat> I didn't mention at the start, we're looking at servanthood is a way to get to know God because we are exercising what he has given us in our life and seeing what he does with our lives as we just commit ourselves to him. And we get to know God in, in meeting our needs and the needs of others through us as his servants and stewards. But Joseph was faithful and then he was put to the top, wasn't he? He was given a position in all of Egypt there to rule and no one, people had to bow to him. Not only his family that was prophesied, but the Egyptians. Uh, that probably would have been hard to swallow if you're there in Egypt. This guy's a Jew. Why am I bowing to him who is a foreigner in our country? These things that we've just looked at, and we won't go any further because our time's run out, we'll have to fill it, finish it next week, are requirements of good stewards. Now in your house, you know, it might be mum that does the economy, economising, that handles the money, it might be dad. It usually depends on the gifts of the person that it happens to fall to. But if you don't manage it right, what goes wrong? You might have to sell the house. You might have to, you know, <coughs> do other things to meet that need. What happens in a church if the economy of the church, the management of the church is not done right? It fails and falters. What happens when people within the church, and this is in the rest of the sermon, and we can't get there, we haven't got time. But what happens within a church when people don't use that which God has gifted them with to minister to others? It doesn't go as it should. What happens on Judgment Day 
when we have served ourselves with all our gifts and abilities instead of serving others. I can tell you and warn you, it's not going to be a pleasant experience on Judgment Day. We'll be saved, but as Corinthians 3 says, yet as by fire. And I've found that people that have not served when they get older want to be served. It's not good. It's not good. It's wonderful to see a a person that's served all their life when they get older, they're still wanting to serve and to minister to other people. Because that's been the vein of their life, that's been the way they've they've treated other people and done it in their life and they just want to continue to serve to the end. And a few people come to mind about that. I mentioned Uncle Ray delivering firewood until a couple of weeks before he died to the old people who were 20 years younger than him. It just, you know, and and then when he's finished, just take me home, I'm finished. Paul, Paul said that, didn't he? He said, I finished my course, I've run the race, I've finished I'll go home. It's up to others. And if the church is going to go forward and go on and be strong and, and used of the Lord, it needs people just to commit themselves with their ability that they have, that they've been gifted with, and they've been given the responsibility to, to just keep doing the right thing and not be distracted by the things of this world. So easy to be distracted particularly by money these days. Was it this week? The stock it's going up and down all the time. The stock market crashed 150 points or something and $30 billion wiped off the... And then they jack it up. I think somebody's working the system. Up, down, up, down. Somebody's making a lot of money. But you know, it'll cost them their eternity if they're doing that. Ah... Uh, Be faithful to the Lord with the abilities you've given. If you've been given one pound, one talent, use it. Hey, what we should do (laughs) is go digging for the talents that have been buried. Has yours been buried? Will we find it somewhere in the the church graveyard, which we haven't got? (laughs) Shame, shame. You buried it. Just let God use you. Heavenly Father, it's a very pointed topic and we can tread on toes when the word is preached. But Lord, we are responsible, every one of us, to you. How we use and spend and be spent in our life is our responsibility as servants and stewards. Lord, I pray that we'd be burdened that that which you have placed upon our lives and do that for your glory and praise and there will be rewards. Not that we do it for that. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity at life, giving us the abilities we have and thank you for the opportunities that come our ways. Bless each one here today as they use what you've given them for your glory. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.